welcome to the Howardsville Gospel Chapel podcast. Be sure to check us out on the web at howardsvillegospelchapel.com. Thanks for visiting and enjoy the message. that you have enjoyed the service thus far. Um, I'm always just astounded that uh, we are able to have such wonderful talent. Uh, We were able to see it last week with the children's program and then this week with the many specials we've had. And uh, we've got so much pull, we can even bring talent in from uh, Texas. So it's pretty, uh, pretty special. That's Malia who sang that last song. I'm glad to have her and Andrew with us this morning as well. A few weeks ago, we spoke about the light of Christmas. We looked at the Christmas story from the passage of First of John, John chapter 1. And as we talked about the light of the world coming in at Christmas, we said it was piercing the darkness. The light of the world pierced the darkness. When Christ came as a baby... To this world, the darkness of the world fled from him. In Christ is the light of the world, the light of salvation, the light of hope, the light of love, the light that the world has longed for, and yet in the darkness that the world lives in, there is a clear light shining because of Christ. So we spoke about that a little bit, and this morning I want to just carry on that thought as we consider when Jesus' light is so bright, when the light of Christ, Christ the light of the world, it shines so bright in the darkness, why does not everyone come out of the darkness and into the light? So I'm going to turn to John chapter 1, and I have it here now, and I'm going to read the verses again in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. The Apostle John's description of Christ's entrance into this world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own And those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as did receive him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, and to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the opportunity to be together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this season that uh, brings our minds forward towards your son's entrance into the world and reminds us of the gift that he was. For you gave of yourself so that we might have life and hope. 
Lord, as we consider these thoughts this morning, we pray that you might clear away our eyes from the darkness of this world and help us to focus and see the light of the world, King Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The breaking through of the light of the world came at Christmas. In many ways, this time of year highlights Christ, highlights Jesus. You know, some may t- try to take the name Christmas out of the season, but it's very difficult to do when tradition has held it for so long. And you can't really have Christmas without Christ. And so during this time of year, there are so many different ways where Jesus is made so clearly evident. I wonder if you can think of any ways that you see Jesus clearly at Christmas. Anybody want to holler out a few? Well, how do we see Jesus at Christmas? Feel free to participate some. This time of the season, what do we see? How do we see Jesus at Christmas? Okay, the nativities. Many nativities set up around towns and homes and in front of churches. Star, okay? We're reminded of the star. We look to the stars and we see stars. Christmas ornaments on trees, Christmas songs on the radio, uh, Christmas stamps. You can still buy stamps with Jesus on them. There's so many ways when this time of year brings Christ into the forefront of people's minds. Yet even if people successfully try to remove the Christian influence from this season, they still continue to celebrate some elements of Christ's birthday in their imitation of the reasons why he came. If you watch any holiday movies, which I watch a lot of holiday movies, especially if you watch some on certain channels that also make cards, You'll notice, that, you'll notice that through a lot of holiday movies, I'm reserving saying Christmas movies, holiday movies, you'll note that they celebrate the Christmas season and they do everything they can to leave religion out of it. They can focus on Christmas completely and take Christianity and Jesus out of them. Yet, what do they end up focusing on? They end up highlighting Morality and kindness and charity and love and self-sacrifice and community and relationships, and yet they cannot explain why those are so significant unless they look to the Bible and look to the source of all life in God. So even if they can seem to, like a Christmas movie, take Christ, take religion out of it, there's still elements of this true reason for the season that show up. The light of Christmas shines so clearly here at this time of year. With all of these reminders, even the hints of them, why doesn't everyone seek that light? Why doesn't everybody want that peace and the joy that Christ offers, that the light of the world came in to bring? Well, to answer that, I think we 
just have to turn over in John a couple chapters to John chapter 3. And we find that a greater explanation of John's description of Christ's entrance into the world, the light of the world coming is given as he interacts with Nicodemus. And we have the famous verse in Romans, or John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. A few verses later, though, in verse 19, it says this. This is the judgment that the world receives, not because Christ comes to judge the world, but because they judge themselves. That the light has come into this world, but men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. There's, I think, the key. Why does not everyone turn to the light? And the reason is because they love the darkness more than the light. Now, as I pondered that through this week, I said, well, that seems strange. I've been in a dark room desiring light. I've stumbled around. I've hurt myself. I've fallen over. When I'm in darkness, I want light. I really, really want light. I'll take whatever light I can get. So how can John say that they love darkness? How can somebody love darkness? when the option for light is available to them. And I thought, well, maybe John is just being, he's just being too um, uh, contrasting. He's just using a thought that, that we can't quite grasp. And then I realized, no, I don't think so, because when we talk about the light of Christ in comparison with the darkness of this world, there's no more contrast. If you were to actually follow, and we don't have the time to do that this morning, but if we were actually to look at the direction that the world is going that we would describe as darkness and what the world offers that we would describe as darkness, and we follow it out to its very end, we would say, no, that is death and destruction and darkness. There is no hope over here. And yet this is light, and there is hope here, and it's eternal hope. So John was absolutely right to say light and darkness. I think the problem is that you and I and that the world itself has come to, come to be unable to see how dark things are. It's a matter of our perception. We don't see things really as dark as they are. We would have to consciously start the train of thought and follow where the world would take us and the final ends of those choices. And we don't usually do that. It's also fairly interesting to realize that Satan's greatest tool is probably to deceive us into not seeing darkness at all. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we would read that Satan masquerades as an angel of what? Of light. And an interesting parallel would be there that Satan likes to disguise darkness as light and trap us into chasing darkness and avoiding light. How could we illustrate this a little bit more, though, I wondered, and, and so I want to flip over to Matthew chapter 2 and think about this time when just after Jesus was born or, or sometime after Jesus was born, the wise men, the magi, as the New American Standard puts it, from the east arrived. And so I'm going to read these verses, again, familiar to us. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, 
Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I may too come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him, and opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. And as we would continue reading, we would see then that Herod realized the, the wise men had not returned to them, and he became angry, and he sought whatever he could do to get rid of this child, this threat to his throne. I think in this illustration, though, we can see what it looks like to love darkness rather than light. The wise men saw a light. They saw a star. They saw a light that many people had missed. They saw a light that the priests and the scholars had missed. But the wise men saw the light and they came to seek for that. They wanted to find out where this child that would be a king was born. And they came, and though Herod had missed the light, and though his advisors and the religious leaders had missed that star, had missed the light, the wise men came and told them about the light. And they put Herod to a place where he had a choice. He had a choice. What is he going to do? Is he going to follow the light? Remember, this light is described to him, and he realizes it's the Messiah, and Herod knows about the Messiah. He knows what the Messiah is to bring. He knows that the peace and the, the promises of old, that the Jewish hope was in this child king that would come and restore Israel. He knew all of this. And yet Herod, when he saw the light, when he heard about the Messiah's coming, he chose to love the darkness rather than the light. He chose instead to suppress the opportunity for this Messiah, to hide, to kill, to cover it up. He desired his own power. He desired his own throne. He desired his influence and his wealth, all that he had worked for in this world. He chose the temporal pleasures that he had as King Herod over the opportunities for the nation to have the light of the world. He loved his darkness of this world rather than he loved the true light of the world. And I think we would agree that we can become very quickly fixated on the things of this world. So much that our eyes are focused on them that we miss the light itself. 
What can we learn from this today? Even we as Christians can miss the light of Jesus in our day-to-day lives. We can be blinded by darkness. We can be deceived seeing darkness as light. For example, I want you to notice something this morning. The lights are going to turn down in here, and it may happen rather quickly. I don't know. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Well, I can't read my notes. It's no problem. What do you notice? Can I tell you something? These lights have been on all morning. There's lights underneath the manger and the spotlight on it. It's been on the whole time that I've been speaking. But most of us, I imagine, except for myself looking for them to make sure they were on, probably didn't notice. We were distracted by what? All the other light around us. All the other lights around us made it impossible for us to even discern that there was a specific light here on our manger. How easy it is for us to miss the light of Jesus. The first point would be, or the first application is to see the light. Fix our eyes on Jesus. This is a great time of year. As we've already said, everybody's eyes are focused on Jesus, especially today in this time of year. But they should be all the time. See the light. But then, when we see the light, we need to come to the light. So I need some help from our children again. I need our children to come forward and and symbolize the coming to the light that the wise men would have done. The wise men saw the star and they came to the light. Guys, come on up here and there's a little something here for you. Can you grab one of these? The wise men, they came to the light, and when they came to Jesus, they worshipped him. And as they worshipped him, like the shepherds coming to meet Jesus, they probably, I imagine, couldn't keep their mouths shut except to Herod. They came to the light, and they accepted and received the light as well. And so, go ahead, you guys turn those on. They saw the light. They came to the light. Now you guys head back to your seats. Try not to shine them in people's eyes. And they carried the light with them. All right? And wherever they went, they had the light, and they shone it, and they brought light into the world. In Matthew, Jesus would even say, you are the light of the world. How about all you kids shine those lights up into the sky right now? Okay? All of a sudden, it's a lot brighter. I can actually see, make out some faces. All right? 
see the light of Jesus. Come to the light. And when you come to the light, receive the light and take it and shine it to others. I pray that that is our message this Christmas. I pray that we keep the light of Jesus, the light of the world, at the center of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time. Thank you for the service. Thank you for the opportunity to share this time with our family. Lord, we just pray that you would even bless us as we go from here. We have a few days left before we actually celebrate Christmas, but let these days that we have before Christmas be filled with your light. Let our hearts be filled with your love. Let our words and our actions be kind in revealing the light that you have given to us. Lord, we pray that in all that is done in our family's celebrations, that we would not forget the true reason for this season. We thank you for this service. We thank you for this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.